This is Dr. Lewis Blevins, continuing in our series of podcasts on the medical management of hypercortisolism. This evening, I want to review the drug known as Oscilidrostat, or Isteresa is the, uh, the trade name for it. This is a drug that has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration of the United States and also the bodies that regulate drugs in the European Union for the management of patients who have hypercortisolism uh, due to Cushing's disease who have either failed surgery or are not candidates for surgery. <clears throat> this drug works by blocking the 11-beta-hydroxylase enzyme uh, in the synthesis of cortisol by the adrenal glands, and that's the same enzyme blocked by metiropone. So you can see some of the same side effect profiles that we'll discuss a little later. It's a relatively new drug. It's only been approved for probably about a year and a half by now. There have been a number of studies. Um, I'm going to talk about some data in general and not go into the studies in specific uh, uh, detail uh, just because I don't want to overwhelm you with that sort of information. Most of uh, our listeners want to know how effective is the drug and how do I use it. So I'll tell you, uh, the original studies uh, which uh, included over a hundred subjects, three-quarters were women, uh, and uh, titrated the drug according to need, starting at two milligrams twice daily and increasing it to 30 milligrams twice daily Basically, the bottom line was that um, by week 24, I think one half the patients had normal cortisol levels. Some patients were enrolled in a study that continued to for three months, and in that particular study, um, and especially comparing against uh, placebo, 86% of patients on Isteresa normalized their urine cortisol excretion rates relative to 29% of patients on placebo. Now you might ask, how could patients on placebo have a normal cortisol? And I don't understand how that happened in this study. I'm sure there was a significant drug washout, so I doubt that it was a lingering effect of the medication. Uh, but remember, some of these patients have had radiotherapy, and we expect some people to go into remission as a consequence of other treatments while they're being treated in a pharmacological study. But uh, uh, at any rate, the, the bottom line is 86% of patients treated long-term had control of their uh, urine cortisol levels. I think, uh, if I remember, it seems like another study showed that two-thirds of patients had control after a year. Uh, but I don't know whether that's because of people having a, a sort of a, an escape from therapy or there are other reasons that affected the numbers. I need to look those studies up to understand them better. But, you know, looking at those studies looks like a great drug, right? That's a pretty high success rate and um, doesn't cause any problems uh, with the liver that I'm aware of. There are some important side effects. As with any drug that blocks adrenal cortisol production, you can see adrenal insufficiency and symptoms suggestive thereof including nausea, vomiting, fatigue, uh, etc. I think a proportion of patients in one of the studies had headaches. 
Because of the buildup of the precursors prior to the 11-beta-hydroxylase enzyme, you can see excess androgens with hirsutism and acne and male pattern hair loss in women. And uh, you can see uh, male pattern baldness in men. Uh, because of the syndrome of apparent mineralocorticoid excess, you can see low serum potassium levels, hypertension, and edema. And one of the other problems with this drug is that uh, it can prolong the QT interval on the EKG. So we get AKGs on patients before they start therapy just to see if they have a prolongation genetically or due to some other drug prior to starting treatment because if they do, that might be a patient that we wouldn't treat. I have some experience with this medication and I'd like to discuss that experience with you. So I took a look at the patients that I've treated with hysteresa. I could remember five patients. I think it's been more. But I reviewed the records of those patients and I found that we are using doses ranging between one milligram twice daily and 10 milligram twice daily. In general, patients are on one milligram, two milligram, four milligram, three milligram, and 10 milligram twice daily for the five patients that I was able to review. I was able to normalize the urine cortisol excretion rate in 80% of patients. That's an excellent result in my opinion. In the one patient, we simply didn't have enough time to see whether we could formally normalize the urine cortisol. We had seen the level fall from 435 to 264 on four milligram daily. And uh, because there was evidence for a recurrent tumor, we elected to go to surgery to try to render the patient disease free rather than continue with medical therapy. Of my patients, four of those five were women. Two of the four developed hirsutism and some male pattern hair loss. I treated those patients with spironolactone uh, one 25 milligram twice daily, the other 50 milligram twice daily, and in both patients those symptoms improved. One patient developed hypertension, and it was one of those patients who also had the hirsutism, and that patient responded to spironolactone uh, to control the, the uh, high blood pressure. One of the things that I've learned about patients with hypercortisolism is that you need to find the true normal urine cortisol for them. It's not simply enough to normalize the urine cortisol. And one of the patients treated with Esterisa illustrates that point very well. Her urine cortisols were in the 50s. Uh, she was treated with ketoconazole, failed therapy. We had to keep escalating the dose and her urine cortisol kept going back into the 50s and she was horribly cushingoid, to put it lightly. I transitioned her to Isteresa and we were able to control her and keep her urine cortisol levels in the uh, lower part of the normal range. And it seemed to be that she needed to be around 20 or a little bit less to feel better and to feel normal and to start having resolution of her clinical features of hypercortisolism. So I think her case is just one of many that illustrate that it's important to find a normal urine cortisol that improves the patient's overall symptoms and signs. It's not just enough to simply get the cortisol into the normal range. So you have to proceed with an intent to treat, an intent to not only normalize the biochemistry, but also to improve the patient and their overall um, uh, health.
So that's all I have to say about Esterisa for the time being. I'm sure I'm going to learn more about this new drug as I continue to gain experience treating my patients. Once again, Dr. Lewis Blevins of Pituitary World News. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. <music>